Good morning. My name is Alex Clary. I am the ministry director to youth and their families here at First Presbyterian Church. What a blessing and honor it is to gather together to worship God during this Advent season. As we continue in our sermon series, Why We Need Christmas, we come to our passage today in Micah 5 that speaks to an exiled Israel and a prophecy of a promised prince of peace. This passage is one in the midst of much pain, but our God is a God that comforts us in the midst of all of our afflictions. Let's now turn to the word of the Lord. Now muster your troops, O daughter of Israel. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Let us now respond to God's word with this reading together. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Appreciate you, Alex. Good morning, church. Yes, sir, we're here. Thanks be to God. It's exciting to worship with you this morning. Uh, And I am really thrilled to jump into this text. So please, if you would, join me in prayer. Father in heaven, you are sovereign, you are faithful, you are good, you are protector, you are loving, you are merciful, you are gracious, you are kind. Lord, you are God. And Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are. And that as we approach you, Lord, and as we desire to hear from you, Lord, that we would not leave this room the same as we first walked in. Uh, Lord, speak now. Lord. Uh, we ask you just to be with us in this moment. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And God should have said, amen. Well, church, uh, again, if you don't know who I am, my name is Alex Laura. I serve here on staff at First Prez. Uh, and Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. I'm pretty sure it's uh, the same for a lot of you. Uh, Christmas is said to be the most wonderful time of the year. And there's good reason for it. Many times we think of this fall time as a time when families gather. We think of home-cooked meals, catching up with friends that we haven't seen in a while. And the expectation of, of gifts, either by giving or receiving as an act of love and kindness. We were reminded of sayings through uh, movies or media, you'll shoot your eye, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Or, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Uh, Or songs like from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't know if you knew this. If not, don't worry, I'll sing by myself. With Yukon Cornelius, silver and gold, silver and gold. 
means so much more when I see silver and gold decorations on every Christmas tree. Right? Which, by the way, I want to also say this because I knew I was going to sing horribly. Jordan, uh, Carter, and Larry, thank you again for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing us to a sense of presence of the Lord. We appreciate you so much in leading us. Uh, so we know songs of that, uh, and we see all these beautiful decorations, or we even see uh, quotes, right, from famous movies, um, uh, like one of the tree, right, from Charlie Brown. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad. It's not bad all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. When I think of 2020, 2020 has been this little tree for us. I think of how we've been bent and wrung through life and its pressures, folded and twisted by the pressures of this life and things that have come our way. And we have been at a point where there has been so much taken from us that we aren't even able to fill out with the lush green pine needles that are distinct of a Christmas tree. So much has been taken from us. And if we hadn't been insecure about filling up, standing up straight, or filling out by the green lush of a Christmas tree, the ornaments of things that we purchase and buy to hide our insecurities, vulnerabilities, and pain couldn't even help us feel better, even if we tried. I look at that Christmas tree, and I think I see myself. Maybe you see yourself. We were promised, prophesied, and proclaimed that the decade would turn, and that our lives were committed to bigger and better things. Oh, how wrong we were. Nobody was exempt from the pain of all that and transpired. And if you were not directly connected to trauma, circumstances, or situations of tribulation, you knew somebody who was, and your heart was heavy. So why talk about these things, Alex? This is Christmas. It's time to be joyful, high energy, right? Pulling out the pastor's rag, being all loud. And joyful. No. It's okay to say that things have not been okay. That there are moments where we are not very merry, in which why we need God and why we need the Word and why we must need Jesus. Yes, more of Jesus. So, this is why when we come to this text, it carries the very same weight, if not maybe even greater than what we're feeling now. There is a weight. And as we read this text, I need you to see it. I need you to hear it. And I need you to believe in the promises that God places in the scripture. And so we'll walk through three points. A point of pain, a point of pregnancy, and a point of promise. As we read Micah 5, and as Alex just so did, we have to also see the context of what is said in Micah chapter 4. So follow with me really quickly if you have your pages turned. If not, don't worry, I'll just read it for you. We're in Micah 4, verse 6, 
right before the text that we just read today. And it says, in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have inflicted and the lame I will make a remnant and those who are cast off a strong nation and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from time forth forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, you shall come from it. The former dominion shall come and the kingship of the daughter of Jerusalem. Verse nine, so why do you cry out loud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? Has pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion. Like a woman in labor, from now you shall go out from the city and dwell in open country. You shall go into Babylon, and there you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hands of your enemies. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, let her be defiled. And let our gaze upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand the plans that he has gathered them with sheaves of the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. For I will make your, your horn iron and I will make your hooves brawn and you shall beat the pieces of many people and I shall, and shall devour the gain for the Lord and their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. And then it goes on to what we read today. Now muster your troops. Oh, daughter of troops. We read this pain of an exiled Israel, an Israel that was exiled, uprooted, and completely displaced. They're removed from the place where they call home. And by their actions of unfaithfulness, they have been scattered. And now where places that they would call home no longer feel like home. They have been driven away from their land. We see in verse one that a siege was laid against you. A rod struck the judge of Israel on the cheek, but you, right? But you, O Bethlehem. They have been violated. They have been desecrated. In which place where you considered it to be called the holy land and a holy, a holy people Writhe and groan, as it said in, in chapter four. Israel has been violated and struck on the chin as we just read in chapter five, verse one. And in moments where great pain is now coming towards you, the hope is, man, how much longer can I hold on? Because I must hold on. Because I believe in a God that gave me covenants, right? especially for Israel in this time. So you see where there was exile, there was desecration and violation, and now suffering and anguish reside in their hearts. Suffering with pains that they're in response of the circumstances that they're in, anguish and feeling so small and dwelling with this plane. Again, being heard from verse two, you who are too little among the clans, feeling discouraged. And so the people of God are in tribulation, but we know a God that is rich in mercy. 
He gives prophecy to his people. And as part of his plan to give hope in a moment of hopelessness, they're crying out in desperate need for hope. Oh Lord, where are you? Where are you in the midst of our pain and our anguish? Help me. This year has hurt. I'm in a place that's uncomfortable. I've been twisted and turned. I've, things have been taken from me. And the insecurities I would use to hide my shame or my hurts and my pains, I couldn't even do it just like that tree. I'm hurting God. I'm in need of hope. Help me. Help me, God. And thanks be to God. Not only does our God respond, but he responds with such power and such authority that when he makes his claim and he makes a promise, our God is a promise keeper, amen? Which brings us to the second point, because though I might be in pain, you best believe your boy is pregnant. What is it, boy, girl, burrito? It's burrito right here. I'm pregnant with something, right? There is fulfillment, something good is on its way. And the prophecy that is given to Micah speaks of one of promise and imagery of pregnancy, seeing that pregnancy in and of itself is designed by God as a gift that is clearly connected to life. And it speaks of several things. It speaks of a proof of love. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that when you look at scripture, the theme of love is all over it? And it is demonstrated throughout the entire Bible and speaks of an intimacy between God and its creator. We see pregnancy as an indication and a byproduct of marriage, right? Of consummation, right? That there, uh, um, out of the word, out of, the, out of an outward appearance of an inward growing, Right? Much like how a tree bears its fruits, a physical fruit of love, intimacy, commitment, and vulnerability is in that baby bump. And I'll tell you one thing right now, I'm a dude, right? I don't know what it's like to carry children or to be pregnant. I know that there are some pregnant women in this room, and I know there are some people that have been in pregnancy, and there are children all around here, so I know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know I know what I'm talking about. That something beautiful has happened and transpired. And that there's a proof of love, and I need you to hear me say this, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your insecurity, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your fear, God loves you. He loves you. Right here, right now. His mercies are new each day. What you've done before is in the past. God wants to love you right here, right now. But Alex, I've done too much. I've said these things. Doesn't matter. God desires to love you right here, right now. And the proof of his love is in this pregnancy. The proof of his love is in these these prophecies. Again, in verse 13, harness the seed, O chariots, right? Oh, my bad. My, my, My page changed. There we go. It says, arise, O daughter of Zion. And I'll make your horn iron, and I'll make your hooves bronze, right? Stand up with pride. Rise up, because the God that loves you is coming to fulfill what he started. Another thing that we see in pregnancy is the development 
of something that is occurring, something is developing, something that was, something's in the oven, right? Something's cooking, something's rising up, the tables are turning, something's being made. Something that was not there before is now being made. And a body whom the creator has made is now function. This plan is happening now as he always planned all along. Our God was never not at the wheel. He knew exactly what he was doing. That there's a plan and a purpose. Not just for the people of Israel, but even for your life now. Something is occurring. The plan and the function has been set in motion. And from the statement, from the very beginning in the garden, from the very first promise, he will crush the head of the serpent and he shall bruise the heel. Something is happening. Someone familiar is being reintroduced to the world in the midst of this pregnancy. And again, the pregnancy speaks nothing about, it's not about Mary, it's about Israel. God made a promise that through the line of David and Bethlehem Ephrath, where the circumstances seem grim, there the seed was planted and there the pregnancy is and there something will come. And when it comes, it'll be radically changing. Nothing will ever be the same. Nothing will ever be the same. And the idols that were in our lives that led us to destruction, separation, loneliness that we have identified with now have to be moved. They cannot stand in the same place. But fear not and hold fast because Bethlehem is pregnant. And one of the best parts of pregnancies is that there's an expectation of fulfillment. Pregnancies do not last forever. And in due time, this baby is going to come out. And what has been in development will come to completion. And in this grand story of God's action and the way he's going to bring salvation to the world will reach a climax. And there will be a tremendous shift in this world that nothing will ever be the same. It will come to completion. And what is it that comes to completion? Brothers and sisters in Christ, as Bethlehem was pregnant, you best believe Bethlehem will deliver. And you've got to push through because this baby's coming. And who is this? Just as it says in verse, starting in verse four, and he shall stand as a shepherd of his flock in strength of the Lord. His majesty is in the name of the Lord, his God. And they shall dwell and secure. And for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. Church, three things are being delivered on that faithful day that a ruler will come. You see it in verse two. And he shall come forth and he will be the ruler of Israel who's coming forth of the days of old and ancient days. He is a king whose reputation has been solidified. The sovereignty in his hand has never left and it never failed. And there is none like him. None to challenge his rule. And he demands freedom of his people from the bondage of sin. 
He is just, he is powerful, and he is secure. In him we find security. My prayer is that you would rejoice to know that he is coming as we read in this prophecy. And he has come, which is why we need Christmas to know when Jesus came, it was a ruler that came. He is a shepherd. We see in verse four, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock. He is a good shepherd. He is loving. He is attentive. He is considerate. He is nurturing. He is gracious. He's merciful, he is hopeful, and he calls his sheep and they know his voice. Church, do you know his voice? Do you know that God is calling out to you right here, right now, and telling you, do not lose hope, do not lose strength, fret not, for I have overcome the world. That's the Savior that's here. And he desires to lead you. He desires to walk with you. Last thing, that he is ruler, he is shepherd, and he is peace. He will be our peace, as it says in verse 5. He will be our peace, and aside from him, there is no other in a broken world. Though enemies are at the gate, he is our peace. Though the times seem grim, he is my peace. Though the expectations of this year were not met, he is my peace. Though the plans that I had did not follow through, he is my peace. Though my desires did not come to pass, he is my peace. And though heartache has drawn near, I find my peace in knowing that God is at work and he's not left me. And church, he has not left you. And as we read of this prophecy that Micah gives of hope to an exiled Israel, a broken Israel, he gives one of promise and lets you know God is at work. God is at work. So how do we faithfully apply this into our lives? We start by first acknowledging God. That first of all, acknowledging the need of saving, like we see in Psalm 61, where it says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer from the ends of the earth. I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge and strong tower against the enemies. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wing. Acknowledge your need of a savior that we fall short and we make mistakes. And sometimes it's easier for us. But we also need to know that we, we serve a God that is power and mighty to meet us in the midst of our brokenness, meet us in the midst of our lowlessness, meet us in the midst of our insecurities or doubts, that we need to acknowledge his sovereign power. As it says in Isaiah, who, who was Micah's contemporary at the same time, saying, Who's had, who has stirred up the one from the east, calling him righteous, to his service. He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them into dust with his sword to a windblown chaff to his bow. Our God is a God that moved. Who woke you up? <laughs> who, who woke me up? Who woke me up? Because that's the God we serve. Who woke up the one from the east where victory is at every step? That's your God. That's your king. That's your king. 
That's the one that's fighting for you. And my prayer is that you would be so encouraged in the midst of this Christmas season that though nothing is going the way you thought it was, he is still faithful and he is still at work, church. My prayer is that you would respond in devotion. You would respond to devotion to God as you see Paul saying in Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present yourselves a body of a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, that you would respond in submission and humility Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. In due time, our Savior is coming. And the proclamation that we read in John, that tells us, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. Amen, church? The darkness shall not overcome it. This is the promised Prince of Peace. This is the one who was said to save us from our doubts, save us from the enemy, save us from our sin because he loves you. He loves you. And there are people out there that do not know him. There are people out there without hope that are wrestling with this life. And as the musicians come forward, there are people out there, much like myself, that look like this tree. But they're bent. And they're hurting. And they feel unfulfilled. And they're trying to hide it with ornaments and things in their life to say, man, I just wish somebody would appreciate me. I wish somebody would love me. I wish somebody would fight for me. I wish somebody would tell me where I can find my hope, where I can place my trust. Who can save me from my darkness? And I'm here to tell you, church, and I know that you know it, and if you don't know it, it's Christ and Christ alone. My prayer is that your identity would be fully in him, and I don't care if I look bent over and I got a little bit of needles and I got one ornament, but man, I look good because I know who my Savior is, amen? Because I'm telling you right now, church, you look good. Man, you look real good. Watch out. I've seen, I seen Daniel Savannah over here. Watch out like this. You best believe. I know my Savior. I know he loves me. I know he fights for me. I'm not alone. I'm with him. And even when I make mistakes, his mercies are new. Even when I fall short, I'm still in his hands. And it makes it easier to read text. Like just like we've seen from this movie and you hear Charlie Brown asking, does anybody know the true meaning of Christmas? Sure I do, Charlie Brown. This is my little Linus blanket right here. Lights. And an angel said to them, an angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. People that know Jesus, people from one side of the railroad tracks to the other, people that don't speak your language or live in your zip code or live in your country for that matter, that are far off. 
I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto us this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, the Lord is born. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for everything. And we love you so much. We thank you that you have never left us nor forsaken us. That there was a plan from the very beginning. And as we see in this Micah chapter 5, that you've called us to muster up our troops, to stand up, to rise up, gather together. And though blows have headed our way and the pains of this world have come, you promised that there will be a child, that Bethlehem was pregnant, and that the child that would come from Bethlehem would be peace. And Lord, we know that it is Jesus. And Lord, we come here acknowledging and responding to that. And we worship you with eager expectation, knowing that we as a church are still pregnant because there is a promise still to be fulfilled. Our hands are on our hips. Our ankles might get weary. Our shoulders might be weighed, but Lord, we want to be faithful and trust to know that we will continue to move forward faithfully, knowing that our Savior is coming back. And Lord, we know and believe that Jesus is coming back. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.